So we're going to quickly do a little bit of a chidush that I thought of over Shabbat. I wanted to share with you. Um, I, I shared it with Rabbi Ton and he didn't shoot it down, so that's a, that's a good sign. Um, and I shared it with my father-in-law and he also didn't shoot it down, which is also a good sign. But um, I was trying to understand the Korban Pesach. Okay? The, we're in Parshat Bo, and we are in the fourth Aliyah, is it? It's the fourth Aliyah. That's... Um, chapter 12? We are in chapter... We are in chapter... Oh, no. Chapter 12, yeah. Okay, let's go. Chapter 12. Chapter 12 in Parshat, in the book of Shimon. God says to Moshe and Aaron, the land of Egypt, saying, This month for you is the first of months. It is the first of the months of the year for you. Very interesting Ramban. I'm going to quickly do it for you outside. The Ramban says, How do Jewish people name the, the months? Nisan. Yeah, right? Nisan, Yazer. No, by numbers. He says the Jewish way of counting months is by numbers. We start with the month one, which is the month we left Egypt. We inaugurate the calendar. We inaugurate our calendar based on the miracle that God did for us taking us out of Egypt. Meaning our whole year is built around God's providence. And we count numbers based starting from that first month. Ramban says, where did the months Nisan, Yar, Sivan, Tammuz, Al, where did those come from? He said those came after our exile. Those are not Jewish names. Those are names that we brought back from the Babylonian exile whenever we were in, in Babylon. We came back to, uh, to Israel and then we started using the names of their months for our months. But technically, the Jewish way of counting months is month one, month two, month three, month four. That's what the Ramban says. What is the proof, he says, to the fact that these months... The names that we have today popularly are not Jewish names. It's very interesting proof. He says, because you only see the names appear, you don't see them appear in the Torah, and you don't see them appear in the Nevi'im. Where do you see it appear? Which book of the Torah do you see the names of the month actually appear? In Megillat Esther. And where is Megillat Esther? It's in Persia. It's in exile, though. It's the book that takes place in exile. And that's where they say, whatever, the 12th month, right? That's why in that book, it always uses these names that we're so familiar with because those are in exile. Very fascinating. Because those are the months that they learned in exile. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. That's why you see, you don't see the names appear in the Chumash. Because we but don't Jewish Jewish naming of months is month one, month two, month three, month four, all based on the miracle that God performed in the first month. Okay, that's just a side point. I wanted to read it for you inside, but we did it outside. Okay, he says, speak to the children of Israel, and on the tenth of the month, take for yourselves each person a lamb, a lamb per house. And if there's too few people in the house to take one sheep. Then you combine with your neighbor and you take according to the amount, the portions that will complete and finish an entire land. Based on how much a person can eat, that's how you shall do combine to complete a Koran Pesach. So every year, 
let's say year one, it's just your wife and your first child, they're doing Korban Pesach, so you probably need to go with your neighbor. And Be'ezor Hashem, as your family grows, you'll have less and less neighbor and more you just complete it with your family. Until there's, you can finish multiple Korbanot Pesach with just your family, then you have multiple Korban Pesach and your family, right? It should be a male sheep, pure, within its first year. Should be from the, it should be a lamb, meaning from the, the lamb slash goat uh, genus, whatever you call it. And you should hold on to this lamb until the 14th. Of this month, and you shall slaughter it. All of the congregation of Israel in the afternoon, you shall slaughter it. Meaning, the end of the fourteenth day, fifteenth day comes at sundown. So, right? so it's the fifteenth day when it sundown. So you slaughter it at the end of the fourteenth day. They shall take from the blood and they shall put it on the doorposts and on the lentil. On the houses that you will be eating it there This law specifically The Ramban, again, I'm using a lot of Ramban today He points out that all of the laws we've studied so far Are relevant to Pesach forever Or which Pesach is it referring to? Pesach of that year There are two types of Korban Pesach One, the one that was performed in Mitzrayim And one that we do thereafter every year And, and there's going to be a difference because we don't take the blood and put it on our doorpost now If we were to do Korban Pesach We don't hold on to the Korban for four days starting on the tenth day That was something we did then So Ramban points out Just make sure you realize that some of these laws Are only applicable to the Jews in Egypt They don't all carry over into the future You shall eat the flesh on this night Sili ish uh, Burnt over a flame uh, Cooked over a flame Umatsot with matzot and mirorim and with bitter herbs, you shall eat it. That part we do have today. Korban Pesach should be eaten with matzot and maror. But it doesn't have to be an open flame, right? That's only the, that was only the first year. It could be cooked in water afterwards. Uh, yeah. I think so, right? I don't know. Good question. Is that something? That, I mean, I don't, we, don't ha- we don't have Korban Pesach today, so it's not like a halachot that we study. That I study. But during the time of Beit Hamikdash, they what would they do in Quran Pesach? Are you? You only do it in Beit Hamikdash. You don't do it at your house. You don't do it at your house. So when so you I'm, do it in Beit Hamikdash, obviously you have to follow the same. I, I'll look it up. Honestly, I'm not even sure. I'm assuming you they would. Why? Why not? I think they cooked over a flame. Why would that change? Meaning, I understand the whole you know, holding on to it from the tenth day, putting the blood on your doorpost. Smell. It's a statement. Yeah, so we're going to analyze, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and now the psukim that I want to analyze, Pasuk Tet, do not eat from it raw. Do not eat from it raw. Do not eat it cooked in water. Rather, it should be cooked over a flame. With its head, with its legs, and with its innards. Why are those parts specified? Because you typically take those parts out when you cook. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, but, why? but now you have to leave it in. Why? Ah, that's one of the questions. Do not leave it until the morning. Whatever is left in the morning should be burnt, gotten rid of. 
you eat it. You have to have your belts on. Your shoes on. You have to have your staff in your hand, ready to walk. And eat it with haste, because it is Pesach before God. Because once you eat it, you're going to have to start moving. And on that day, I'm going to go through Egypt, and I'm going to kill all the firstborns, and I'm going to protect or pass over your homes that have the blood on them. I'm going to protect. So while you're eating the Quran Pesach, their kids are going to be dying. That is all the text we're going to study today. Now I want to analyze, because there are a lot of questions around the Quran Pesach. First of all, what is the purpose of Bnei Israel doing the Quran Pesach in general? Exactly. Okay, so that's what, that's what a lot of the Chazals say, that the Egyptians worship these animals and Bnei Israel need to free their own minds from the shackles of Egyptian ideology. So they're slaughtering the Egyptian god to free themselves of any feelings of homage to those gods so that they can serve God alone. Um, which is, I think, the Peshat. The Egyptians worship these things. That's why Egyptians didn't like shepherds, by the way, because they're... You can't make turn our gods into a business practice. Okay, so the Egyptians worship these things. So you slaughter it, to, to and and Am Israel needs. You can't just have God take them out. Am Israel needs to do something active, so that they can free themselves from this psychological bondage. You know, there is one thing of freeing people physically, but even harder is to free them mentally from the fear and from the. This, all of the influences of Egyptian culture that were probably weighing on their minds. You think Am Yisrael didn't believe that these things were gods? They probably believed it just as much as the Egyptians because they were part of their culture. So you have to free them of all those, that nonsense and free their minds. Okay? On a deeper level, the Ramban points out something. He goes a step further. And he says that the Chachamim point out that not only was this an Egyptian god, but that this month, this first month, which later came known as the month of Nisan, this first month, it was actually like the Egyptian zodiac symbol of the month. And the Ramban points out that by knowing this, it explains a lot of things about the character of the Korban Pesach. First of all, why did they have to take it on the 10th and only slaughter it on the 14th? Why didn't they take it on the 13th to slaughter it on the 14th? What's the whole hold period? Why are you holding it for so long? Anybody ever thought of that question? So Ramban says the reason is such because the zodiac symbol of the month, what would it be tied to? It would be tied to the waxing and waning of the moon. So he said starting on, the, on day 10, the moon starts to come into form. And by day 15, the moon is at its peak. So the goal was they took it from the 10th when the moon, when according to Egyptian ideology, the moon was starting to pick up, pick up steam and get stronger. And they killed it at the apex, at the top part when the moon was at its strongest. So that they're killing the god of the Egyptians at the time when in the Egyptian mindset, the god was at its peak strength. So that explains 10 through the 15, that carry period. That's in the Ramban. I could, I, if you want, I could show it to you. Okay? Very deep. Very, very deep. But now that we know that the whole purpose was to free Bnei Israel from the ideology of the Egyptians, commit to God, and to kill the God of the Egyptians, maybe we could use that to explain some of the other things, some of the other questions we had. So what are the main questions? How is it supposed to be cooked? Fire, fire, fire. Over, fire. Over a flame. 
how else? What other detail about its cooking? What else about its cooking? Do not let it be raw. Do not cook it in water. Can we explain those things according to what we just said? The only thing that makes sense to me is with the innards and the skin and everything when you cook, it gives even more of a smell. There's, there's, it's not, I, I, so I always thought it was smell, and this is what people always say. And yesterday I thought of something else which I, I really, really believe could have some merit. And it's, I never read it anywhere yet, I just thought of it on my own. So take it with a grain of salt until we find it written somewhere. What was the purpose of doing this? The purpose is to kill the god of the Egyptians. And to show them that we killed them. And to show them that we're killing the god of the Egyptians. So, so what are they trying to do? If you cook it in water, how do you cook something in water? How do you, what, you have to put it in a pot. Right, you have to cut it. So, you have to break it up. For e- either you have a gigantic pot, which fits the entire animal, in which case, do you see the animal? No. You don't see the animal. So either you have a gigantic pot which fits the entire animal, but more likely, you cut the animal up and you put the pieces into the pot. In which case, does everybody see what you're cooking? No. So that's why you have to cook it over a flame. But not just over a flame, the flesh. You have to leave the head, you have to leave the innards, you have to leave the feet there. So that the animal has to be kept up. And then you have this image of the god of the Egyptians turning on a spit over a flame. Being burnt. Now... What else do we have? Do not have it raw. What would incentivize the people to eat it raw? Because when they see the Egyptians are watching them cook their gods over a flame, maybe they would get scared and take it off too soon. So you have to tell them, don't eat it raw. It has to be well done. Meaning you're going to sit there and you're going to watch it cook. You're going to watch it cook. And if you're scared the Egyptians are going to get you for cooking their god, have faith. Let it cook. Let it cook and cook and cook until it's fully, fully, fully cooked. And this way you could really emphasize how much you're destroying the God of the Egyptians. How much you're ridding that from your psyche. And you're showing the Egyptians that you're not scared of them at the same time. You're making a public ceremony out of the slaughtering of their God. You're not cooking it in private in your own home. So this was a chidush I thought of this year. I wanted to share it. I personally think it, it, it fits in with the whole theme that we've been reading. Um, I've yet to read it anywhere So if anybody has any perush that's read, that said something like this Please let me know uh, But yeah, that's going to be it for today Baruch Adonai Lulam